that had a radical effect on me because I not only watched it work in your class by someone who I respected, but then I was able to do it in my own personal life. And it did change the way I pray for other people, but also the way I looked for, I guess, the way I looked for God. Welcome to Unquenchable, where we discuss all things biblical theology, listening prayer, and Christian living. Each week, we'll share a discussion, an interview, or a story that will feed your spiritual curiosity, helping you to better understand the Bible and receive inner healing so you can grow in intimacy with Christ through prayer. In this first season, we're overviewing the story of how experimenting with prayer led to first, life change in my life and the lives of my students, second, a new and greater understanding of the power of prayer and how to pray, and third, the formation of Pray Through It Ministries. We began with my wife, Jen, sharing about what she was learning from the prayer team at our church in episode one. Then we talked about how, as I began to experiment with listening and prayer, I began to experience inner healing from what many would consider to be rather insignificant childhood events that were defining and shaping my life strategy and my identity in episodes two through three. As I experienced breakthrough, I began to experiment with prayer with my undergrad students, and time and time again I was blown away as my paradigms were shattered and as I saw the extent of emotional and psychological healing that could happen in just one prayer session. We covered a handful of these encounters in episodes three through nine. In the last episodes, episodes 11 and 12, I shared how the Lord was leading me to step out in faith in greater ways and began leading my classes corporately in listening prayer. In the last episode, I shared about how I led my upper-level biblical theology class in listening prayer. Today, I want to share what happened when I stepped out even further and began practicing listening prayer with my New Testament survey class. If you're enjoying hearing our story, why not give us a five-star review and write a couple of encouraging words to let us know that you're listening. This podcast is free, and so is your endorsement. And in the podcast world, your endorsement will make us easier to find by others. Well, returning to our story. The summer came and went, and in the fall, I was assigned to the largest New Testament course that I had ever taught up to that point, 500 students. Sensing God's leading, I waited until a few weeks into the semester when we were covering the book of Galatians to introduce them to listening and prayer. After covering the book overview, I asked everyone to stand up and take the hand of the person next to them in acknowledgement that we're all one body in Christ, supporting one another. And then I had them space out at arm's length and then let go of the hand next to them. Now they would know that they had some personal space to do the spiritual work that was yet to come. Next, I had them put their hands in the traditional prayer position, and I explained that part of the reason why we teach children to hold their hands like this is so they don't touch anything. But today, we're going to try something different. I encourage them to open their hands like a book and allow their hearts to mimic their body position and prepare to receive the fruit of the Spirit. As I read over the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, I encourage them, these are not like the gifts of the Spirit that aren't given to every single believer. Rather, in the Greek, the word fruit in fruit of the Spirit was singular, meaning that everything on the list was part of one single fruit that God wanted to give them. They therefore couldn't say, God didn't give me this fruit or that fruit, and so if they had an issue receiving a fruit, it was on their end. As we completed this list, I asked them if they felt as though they could receive at least some of the fruit, and they thanked God for this fruit that they received. Then I asked how many felt as though there were fruit you couldn't quite receive, and they raised their hand. And I encouraged them to ask the Lord what was blocking that fruit and help them to pray through that which they could pray through. 
Today, we have a student from that class five years ago joining us, and he's going to describe a bit about what he experienced on that day as we prayed through the fruit of the Spirit. He just contacted me this week and told me what had happened for the first time, and now you're going to get to hear about how the conviction that he experienced on that day was more freeing and empowering than he had experienced before. Here's that interview. If you'll go back to when we had New Testament survey in that large classroom, your class was about 500 students, I believe. Is that right? You're in that big town's hall room? Yes. Yeah. And so if you'll remember back, that was actually the first time that I publicly did listening inner healing prayer with that large of a group. I had mm-hmm. done, done it before with a, a smaller upper level Bible class where I felt like, okay, it's time for me to do the next thing up the ante a little bit and just see what these non-religion majors think about this. How, you know, how will this go? Things that really stood out to me was within the first couple of weeks, you had brought up the struggle with legalism yeah. and how to lead into more of the faith aspects that are promised in the Bible. Yeah, It really struck me how you were so academically minded which is where I was at, at the time. I was I was too hardened, um, too stuck in the head. And one of the things you said was, if you are all head or all heart, you are not a whole person. Mm-hmm. And so coming from you being someone I trusted because you were more academically minded like myself yeah. to then watching you branch out and grow as a person mm-hmm. and including the other aspects that we you know read about and get confirmed in the new testament of praying through things or even something crazy like healing that we don't talk about anymore yeah and you did soften my heart to stuff like that cool well you remember a time when we got to the book of galatians and we prayed through the fruit of the spirit you remember that exercise yes i do so how did that go for you i was sitting in ironically in a class of 500 people i was sitting in a row by myself somehow Hmm. And when you said to stand up and grab the hand of the person next to you, um, I kind of looked left, looked right, and laughed to myself a little bit, like, oh, perfect. Right. But a very, very sweet girl in front of me uh, held out her hand. I leaned forward and joined that row. And a very odd thing happened for me mm-hmm. because I'm in a very uncomfortable physical position leaning over this, this seating But I I closed my eyes, and even though my heart was still hardened to a lot of things at this point, I remember I lost touch with the hands I was holding and the physical things that were in my way, and I felt the Holy Spirit physically soften my heart Mm. as you were going through the fruits of the Spirit. And I don't remember a lot of symbolism or imagery but I do remember God saying it's time to soften your heart and become a whole person. Yeah. And so what happened then? So that you felt it soften, then what was the results of that then after that? I immediately felt conviction Mm -hmm. for a lot of things that I'd been letting slide. A lot of things I'd convinced myself were okay or not that big of a deal, not really an obstruction to my walk. Or things that I said, oh, I'll drop these once I finish school, you know, just push on through and then I'll worry about that later. And I immediately felt conviction for all of them. And by the end of that semester, I had worked through probably three out of the four. And 
I felt new life as a believer. Mm -hmm. I knew I had the Holy Spirit. I was confirmed in my salvation, but that would be the time when I started walking it out. Yeah. So two things are one, the, the aspect of the conviction first, and you describe what you mean by conviction. What does that feel like to be convicted of something? So there is a, when you're a child, you are scolded for doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. When you're a teenager, you get grounded or something you want taken away. Conviction is when you look at life as not the acquiring of pleasure and the avoidance of pain, but the adhering to law for mm -hmm. better. It is simultaneously an understanding that the rules are not arbitrary and that following them produces genuine growth, mm -hmm. but also that the things you thought you were doing out of your freedom are actually binding you even more. Yeah. So the things I thought I was doing to relieve stress or free myself from the rules were actually binding me even more so. And so when I say conviction, it was almost seeing the visible chains. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I, I before have said that the enemy condemns and the Holy Spirit convicts, but then mm. come to realize the way that some people think about conviction as being like convicted in prison and they get an imprisonment kind of mentality. But the conviction that you're explaining, I think really is a better picture of than what they were seeing. And that is you show that you're already in prison and it's almost like a release where it's saying, like, see, you're in this bondage and I want you to be free. And there's like this empowerment toward freedom that you're describing. Yeah. The emotional storm that you go through when all your convictions uh, bubble up to the surface, I agree. It is not heart wrenching. Mm -hmm. You go, oh, yeah, I'm such a terrible person. Oh, this is terrible. Um, these things are terrible. You recognize how much they're holding you back yeah. from what God has to offer you. So it's like an empowerment towards something better. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wonder here, like all those things coming in all at once, how did you even know which one to deal with first or how to work through all that? Like that seems like a lot to come on a person all at once. Um, it definitely was. Mm -hmm. I believe if I remember correctly, I actually tackled them in order that they came up the things that were a struggle for me when I was alone in the dorm or the things that were a struggle for me when I was out with my girlfriend at the time or um, the struggle to continue to defy parents even when you're two states away. Yeah. Um, as they came up, that conviction resurfaced again and maintained itself until I dealt with it. Yeah. And it wasn't something I could ignore so was this something that was kind of new to you in your walk to feel that kind of conviction or you had felt it in other areas already? I had felt what I would call kind of forced conviction, mm -hmm. those Friday night camp moments or when the pastor specifically geared a sermon for a specific sin. But those definitely felt more judgmental and someone else condemning me mm -hmm. rather than the Holy Spirit moving. And I will say those feel very differently and they affect your life differently. So when, when we prayed in class and the way that we did, how is that different than what you experienced in say some of these camp experiences? One of the things you emphasize, cause you did give us a little background on how you were praying through things. And one of the things you brought up was 
you said you didn't go through and interrogate the students and like get every detail of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. You prayed to God and they meditated on the problem and that brought about the resolution, mm-hmm. which was a completely new concept to me because most of the experiences I had, whether it be camp or a, a youth group or even a, a pastor, they would always want to know every little detail of my life and then pray through each piece specifically, which mm-hmm. I don't is necessarily a, a problem, but there was something different about leaving room for God to work yeah. and taking it out of your hands as a person. Yeah. So long-term here, what do you think the long-term effects then are? How did that particular instance and then that class, did it change the way that you approach God, change the way that you walked out your spiritual life? What would you say? Absolutely. The first thing it changed was the way I started praying for other people. Mm -hmm. I took the approach very literally, and I said to my friends, I'm like, listen, I do not need names. I don't need to know what exactly is going on. I want you to tell me whatever you're comfortable with, and then we will let God work and we'll pray through it together. Yeah. And that, again, had a radical effect on me because I not only watched it work in your class by, again, someone who I respected, but then I was able to do it in my own personal life. And it did change, again, the way I pray for other people, but also the way I looked for, I guess, the way I looked for God. Mm-hmm. And so in my personal prayer life, my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And one of the things the preacher says in there is do not come to God with a whole list of requests or endless spewing of words because God is in heaven and you were on earth. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking that approach with more reverence, more honor, instead of listing through a bunch of requests that are on the top of my mind. I went through, I think the acronym is called the Acts of Prayer, Mm -hmm. start with adoration, and you go through. And by the time I got down to my request, I didn't say anything, Mm -hmm. but I would wait a moment and meditate, and God started putting things on my heart to ask for. Mm -hmm. And again, that's how I reached out to you. Your your name was put on my heart, and I reached out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it is interesting timing because uh, we are right now. I'm we're branching out. I'm no longer residentially on campus. I'm no longer um, in my church here. As of a month from now, I'll no longer be on the staff there, and we're giving ourselves over full time to do what God's calling us to do here in prayer. I've uh, said before to people, if you can spend an hour and a half with somebody praying through something, and their life is going to be different after that, I have not seen anything in the spiritual realm that has that kind of dividends. And so it's, yeah. it's hard for me to say like that I would do anything else. And, and to have a wife who's so sold out, willing to do this with me. And just it's amazing how we can be having such a horrible day, pray through something with somebody. And then we end our day marveling at what God had done, forgetting all about anything else that happened that day, because we got to see God working firsthand straight up. Any other thoughts, any other questions since I got you on the line? Oh, thank you very much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you calling me and helping out with this. It, it's, this is a really encouraging time for me because when I first started praying through things with people, I, I tend to be that person who early adopts things. Like once I see it works, I'm like, oh, I'm going to jump on that and do that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do this? And I run with it. And then other people are watching like, well, yeah, but what's this, what's going to happen with this? And so mm-hmm. I, I remember I put a couple posts up on Facebook just talking about 
the amazing healing and freedom that people had gotten from so many different things. And, you know, just from an hour and a half session. And so people just can't even get their minds around this. And they're thinking, okay, yeah, maybe this is true. And they're not even downplaying that it's, that it's not true, but maybe this is true, but you got to have a track record here. You know, you have to wait and see. And now six years later, as I'm calling people back up, I'm finding out that was a decisive moment that did change the direction of their life. It's not to say that everybody stayed on the path from there on out and everything was great and amazing, but that was the forming, changing moment for many people. During this time, DeHaan thought surely that leading his class of 500 to listening and prayer would get him in hot water with the administration. And so Don's prayer during that time became, Lord, just make me invisible so that he can continue to minister to his students unhindered. When he nervously surveyed his students about the experience, he was surprised to find the class was evenly split on what they thought about listening and prayer. 250 of the students said they loved it and it revolutionized their prayer life. One person said they felt uncomfortable because they thought he was praying too expectantly, like telling God what to do. The other 249 said they didn't like it because it caused them to face the things that they knew they needed to face. They actually used those words. This seemed to indicate that they recognized the power of listening and prayer, but simply at that time did not desire to address what needed to be addressed. But even with them, it seemed that God was working in their hearts despite their lack of desire to hear from him. We are still receiving reports about what God did in that class five years ago. And what's amazing is that after all of these years, in just the last three weeks, Don has had three students from that class reach out to him just as he was working on this episode. And all three agreed to share their story of how their lives were changed through listening and prayer in this class. So over the next few weeks, we'll be sharing these interviews. In the meantime, consider what would happen if you were to take the next step to lead others to listen in prayer in a greater way. If you're interested, email Don at drlove at praythroughit.com and ask him for a copy of that Fruit of the Spirit exercise, and he will send out what he used in that class. We look forward to hearing what God will do as you step out in faith and lead others to listen in prayer. See you next week. Did you know that we often lead listening and interhealing prayer retreats and trainings? Who do you know that would benefit from these? Check us out at praythroughit.com slash events to see when we are going to be in your area. And if you don't see what you're looking for, email Don at drlove at praythroughit.com to discuss how we can minister to your family and friends. Unquenchable is a ministry of Pray Through It Ministries. To learn more about us and our ministry, check us out at praythroughit.com.